Welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. It's our 52nd episode. That's a whole year, y'all. It's been more than 52 weeks since we started, because we took a couple weeks off here and there. But it's pretty close. Yeah. But it's 52 weeks of content. (laughs) And that feels like a milestone. It does. I feel like we should also tell everybody that, A, it is the night before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And B, we both got our booster shots yesterday. And Jessica's taking it like a champ, and I am taking it like an overtired toddler who might just fall down asleep at any moment on any surface. So <laughs> so today we're going to do things a little differently. <laughs> so despite feeling low-key crummy and <laughs> me being busy in the kitchen getting ready for a day of just nonstop eating tomorrow, we thought, you know what? We're recording anyways because we love y'all. But we thought a nice thing to do this week because we are thankful for you is we're just answering questions today. We have an inbox with many questions in it. So some of you might have written to us at some point and thought, I haven't heard my question be answered yet. And that's because there haven't been that many weeks yet. (laughs) But today we're going to knock out a couple of them. Some came in via email and a couple of these questions came from people who visited us at Indian Tangled in October. So we've got questions from people who actually wrote on physical paper for us and emails. All right. So Jessica. Yes, Karen. Are you ready for like a whole bunch of letters? I 100% am. I am here for it. So the first letter is from Priya. Hi, Priya. I recently knit a beanie for my husband and it sits a bit tight on his head. I want to add a few more rows. However, I can't find my weaved-in end. Could you please share any tips or tricks to find the weaved-in end? It would be of great help. Yes, I can. And I say that confidently because I recently helped our friend Lauren rip out part of a sweater where she could not find her woven-in ends either. (laughs) And it took a little bit of practice. We tried and experimented, but we figured it out. So here are my tips for you. Don't do this when you're tired. (laughs) or grumpy, or feeling rushed. Do it in a good time for you, where you're hydrated and you have good lighting. (laughs) Because there's nothing more aggravating than feeling like you need to fix something about your knitting and not have it come easily. Right. So get yourself in a good space to work on this. And I really do emphasize good lighting will help. The next thing you need to do, and you've already done this, I'm positive, is flip the hat inside out because that's probably where your woven in end is. And then tip number three is just start wiggling the knitting around. And by wiggling, I really mean stretching it. So like (laughs) grab the crown of the hat in different spots and just kind of like gently tug your fabric in diagonal directions, because what that will do is cause that woven in end where it was probably trimmed very close to the fabric to stretch and pull and start to wiggle its way back out from under whatever stitch is hiding it. If this hat has a lot of texture, if this hat has color work, or if it has like a bunch of cables or something, 
it might take a little bit more work because there are more places for that woven in end to hide. But once it starts to like poke out at you, then just take the point of like a tapestry needle, whatever you've got on hand, and just start picking it backwards to pull it out. It will emerge at some point. You just have to be patient with yourself and know that you can defeat the yarn. And I feel like the silver lining that does not help you at all in the moment when you're trying to do it is that if you are having a hard time unweaving in your end when you're doing it on purpose, it's probably not going to come flying out while the hat's just being worn regularly. Like that is a demonstration of the good job that you did in weaving in your ends. And that's super frustrating, but also like just keep that in the back of your mind. You are a champion at finishing hats. (laughs) Good luck, Priya. Our next question is from Kate. Hi, Kate. I'm new to knit-alongs, but am enjoying participating in the Make Good Socks knit-along. Yay! (laughs) I'm wondering about the etiquette of double-dipping in knit-alongs. There are a few upcoming knit-alongs featuring socks that I know about. Can I post the same project in both? Is this common or frowned upon? That's a good question. And if you ask me, I say dip wherever you want to. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, The whole point of knit-alongs is to encourage community participation and engagement and to cheer each other on and make a bunch of stuff that you want to wear. So it's kind of a no-stakes situation. Like nothing bad will happen if you take your socks that you're knitting for the Make Good Socks knit-along and also tag them in a tandem, unrelated knit-along that your socks somehow apply to. Like I say, go for it. And I would be disappointed in someone else's knit-along if they were like, no, no, only socks for my knit-along and nowhere else. And they might do that, and I will quietly judge them if they do. You know, the microphone's on, right? It's not that quiet. (sighs) I am giving you permission that you don't need from me to do this. I feel like the only thing that you might want to, like, gut check is if they're both knit-alongs with prizes and you somehow win both prizes, maybe you just win both prizes. It depends. Maybe I... you're like, I'm, I'm going to forfeit the less good one. And <laughs> <gasps> I'm scandalized. You keep both those prizes. You knit two socks. <laughs> Do it. Tag us double so we can see it every time you post it. <laughs> if you're doing separate ones, just like tag us in the picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the next question we have is somebody who did not write down their name at India Untangled. Okay. Hi, mystery person. Does it count, and count is in quotation marks, Mm -hmm. as handmade if you knit something using a circular or flatbed knitting machine? That is such an interesting question. I think, yes, of course it counts as handmade because you used your hands to work (laughs) the machine. I mean, if you think about it, if you hand stitch a shirt because you're a sewist who likes very slow sewing, or you use your sewing machine, either way, that's a hand-sewn shirt. And I think cranking out a sock on, like, a sock machine, you're still going to have to do some finishing work. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about, like, handmade pasta. You could roll out your dough and use a knife to cut a bunch of linguine ribbons or whatever, but you could also put it through one of those crank machines that slices it for you, and that's not any less handmade. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you are involved, you're using your brain, 
you're using your tools and like we don't tell weavers that the fabric and the garments and the things that they produce are not handmade because they use a loom. It's just a tool that helps you in your craft. Can I jump in with a little aside follow-up from a previous episode? I would love it if you did. When we were talking about the different types of sock heel, Mm -hmm. and I had speculated kind of wildly that if you were knitting a sock on a circular, a sock knitting machine, you would throw in like an afterthought heel and kind of come back to it, or you'd be doing tube socks. And we actually heard from somebody who does this very frequently that you can do an actual heel that isn't an afterthought heel. On the crank machine? On the crank machine. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's like nature's 3D printer. Wow. (laughs) I mean, maybe nature's nature's 3D printer. I don't know. But I feel like... (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Sock machines are very cool. And I think all sorts of tools that we use in fiber arts are fantastic. And some brilliant person created them. People. Groups. Who knows where they come from? (laughs) That's for a history episode that's definitely not happening tonight. But yes, and there are no rules. If it feels handmade, it's handmade. And then our last question tonight. I'm a hesitant sweater knitter because modifying to fit has been my challenge. What's the best way to achieve a good fit? And then as an aside, she says, I have a 34G chest. That's a great question. And my apologies to you because your name was on the paper, but you kind of scribbled it out and rewrote it again, and I couldn't read it. And I didn't want to call you the wrong thing. (laughs) So from unknown, I think that modifying your sweater to fit your body in the way that you want it to is going to take a little bit of research and a little bit of experimentation. Short rows may be involved, depending on how closely you want your sweater to be fitting your body, because when you have a larger bust, but it's proportionally larger than your waist or, say, your high bust measurement or your shoulders, you don't want to pick the size that corresponds with your chest measurement necessarily because your sweater will be too big for you in other places. So that's where things like bust darts come in handy where you're building up fabric in targeted places to make your garment fit you better. The designer, Jacqueline Seaslack, is really great at providing instructions in her patterns for adapting the garment to fit you the way you want it to. Jessie May does as well. There are options for bust starts in a number of her patterns. And I think that doing things like reading about knitwear and fit will help you learn more about garment construction and what kinds of adjustments you need to make specifically for your body. This will be a journey. You'll be acquiring knowledge and you will become a more powerful knitter because of it. I would also suggest that spreadsheet method that Swanky Emu Knits does where you can actually plug in your measurements and then a spreadsheet will calculate like how many decreases, how many increases you need to get to a sweater that fits a body that isn't necessarily consistently within one size if you're just taking it off the page. You know what I mean? Yes. The episode where we interviewed Sarah Krentz is episode 36, the Swanky Emu Knits episode. And I would think that having gone through that with her method, you might be able to then apply what you learned from that to other sweater patterns. Let's just say, for example, your shoulders and your waist are size four on this pattern and your chest is size six. Maybe you can figure out, oh, you need to do a couple more increases. You need to do a couple more decreases like to kind of 
make your own version of the pattern that will fit for your body. This is a learnable skill. (laughs) And if you are curious and patient and willing to experiment, I think you'll have great success. So what's on your needles? I have the most fun thing on my needles. (laughs) So I will say I did complete one whole sock for this knit along. I did my everyday sock to completion and I've put it on and I love how it fits. And you're going to Photoshop it to be two socks. Sure. Yes. (laughs) With my mad Photoshop skills, which I actually do have. But then I thought, you know what? I need a break. The dread second sock. I need a break. I said that and decided that I was just going to cast on a sweater for a dog instead. (laughs) And I am knitting the Ursa Canis sweater. So a little dog version of my Ursa sweater that I've knit twice and really love. And I'm making Charlie a pretty sharp little red pullover. Charlie is our smallest dog, but he is not a small dog. He looks like a small dog because he's a Dachshund Boston Terrier mix, but his like... He has short legs. He has short legs, but he is a barrel chested dog. He is size seven in the pattern. (laughs) I was, I measured him and said, no. (laughs) He's a lunger. So I try not to take him for walks with a leash. I use like a soft harness. And the last time I went to get him a new one, I took him to the pet store and I started with size small and I just kept pulling them off and trying them on him. And he ended up being a 2X. He's a dachshund mix. It's shocking. Yeah. (laughs) How do sizes work? They're fake. They definitely are. Ready to wear (laughs) sizes are a mess for dogs and people alike. Yeah. But he's going to be a pretty good looking boy in this sweater. You can kind of tell we posted a picture to the store's Instagram, I think in the podcast stories. Yeah. Recently. And you can tell he knows he looks good. Because he does. (laughs) Sure does. What's on your needles, Karen? I'm knitting a sock. I'm kind of only knitting a sock right now. Well, that's not really true. I'm knitting two socks. They're different socks. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about my level of follow through right now. So I knit a cuff down. It's the vanilla is the new black, like sport weight version. Mm -hmm. One of the pairs of socks I wanted to make for a knit along. The supply chain issue that is hitting our store right now is tapestry needles. (laughs) I don't know why. Also, we can't find any of our personal tapestry needles. They've all disappeared. At some point, our needle distributor sent us a bag of like 50 blue plastic needles. Those are also gone. There is some kind of, they're doing something. They're up to something. It's goblins. (laughs) But so I got to the point where I had to kitchener my dough like fully over a week ago at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was at the store and I said, okay, I'll deal with this later. And it's just been sitting on the table, unkitchenered, but otherwise completely finished. We had somebody come into the store who needed some help ripping back part of a sweater. I was using one of those knitter cable barber, the barber cords. Yeah, the barber cords. Because we didn't have a tapestry needle, I grabbed one of my DPNs from the pile for the socks and stuck it into the end of the barber cord. And that's what I was using to pull it through. And then I sent her home with it. <laughs> like, I was just like, I've released the sock into the universe, except I haven't. <laughs> And she brought back your DPN. She did, which was amazing because I definitely told her not to bring any of that stuff back. And, oh, and I have a confession. (gasps) What? Because I don't have an extra DPN. I am a convert. I am a five-needle knitter. What? Yeah. So I frequently have this problem with DPNs because I have relatively broad hands. When I'm knitting socks or something on small circumference, I spend all of my time poking the like edge of my hand, like the outside of my palm, over and over and over with She's the end of... poking it right now yeah, with right. her hand. <laughs> with the end of one of my needles. And I'm always like, this is really annoying and kind of painful and I want this to be done. It doesn't do that when I knit with five needles. 
I feel like I don't know you anymore. <laughs> I'm changing teams and, ah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that there was a fix for that problem. Who hmm. knew? You live, you learn, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know who knew? The people who put five needles in the... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so mm -hmm. we should like make team t-shirts or something. There'll be a Karen t-shirt and a Jessica t-shirt and we'll each be like holding up <laughs> DPNs in our hands. But sure. I'll have four and you'll have five. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also knitting a toe-up everyday sock with the stripey yarn from Woolens and Nosh that I got at India Untangled. And I love those stripes so much. It's like every other color is this really gorgeous purple. And then the stripes, there's like eight different colors that are the stripes. And I have to tell you, I was like genuinely kind of baffled when the first one came back around again. Because I had convinced myself that somehow Michelle had, like, dyed every stripe different. That doesn't make any sense. Like, that is not how. <laughs> I was like, oh, I've seen this color before. Completely just threw me for a loop. But I'm really excited about that sock. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know what I'm really excited about? Everyone else's socks. I know I say this every time we do a knit along, but, like, this is our most exciting one we've done so far because there are just so many of you and so many socks. They're also good, and some of you are really fast. Like, I'm mad about it. You're so fast. <laughs> How do you knit socks that quickly? What are you doing? Their hands are also nature's 3D printer. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, they are, I guess. Yeah, sure, yes. <laughs> it's a skill that we all have developed. And hooray to all of you who are sharing your animal photos and turkey photo bombs. <laughs> I was going to say your furry friends, but there was a turkey in one of those pictures, and I love it. I'm here for seeing all of your pets and all of your socks together in glorious pictures. It's very cozy. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. There have been a couple of babies in there, too, like cute little bundles of people. <laughs> I adore them, but not quite enough yet to put together a full 10-swipe slide of all of them. So I think that might be it for us this week. Just a little pop in to visit with y'all. I have to go home and bake some pies. <laughs> I have to go be a tired toddler on literally any available surface. <laughs> but we'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at MakeGoodPod or subscribe to this podcast. We want you to rate and review us because it helps other people find our podcast. And it's fun to hear what you think about us. <laughs> you should keep posting to the knit along. Keep sharing your pictures. Use the hashtag. This time it's hashtag make good socks. If you're just finding out about it now, what a weird episode to join us for. <laughs> but you can hop into the knit along anytime we're doing it through the end of the year. And also, we've got a Patreon and we've got some new people who have joined us over there. And thank you, thank you to you. We share additional content that's not here on the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Bye.